0: So um, just one more time, just to introduce myself. I'm Brendan. I'm part of the uh, pastoral team here at Southern Grace. And um, if you're new and visiting, like you're so welcome. Thanks so much for coming and joining us tonight. Our heart and these like I said, it's just a just a way to engage with like common questions people have and um, we don't want to embarrass you, we just wanna you know help you in that process. And so we do have resources um, outside and through those doors. Um, we've got some books there that um, you're more than welcome to grab anything. So If you've got questions about that, just grab um, the person who brought brought you along um, and get them to help you with that. Um, But in terms of talking tonight, um, we're obviously, we're talking about this big question, isn't Christianity intolerant God versus world religion? And I just wanted to start off before we do anything, just by, just by praying for us, Uh, praying for me. um, I'm just having a crack at this. I'm not coming from the angle of like being the expert on intolerance or anything like that. Um, We're just trying to help serve people in their questions and stuff, so Um, If you're a praying person, why don't you pray with me? Lord, uh, we just uh, thank you so much for the gospel, the good news about Jesus and all he's done for us. Lord, uh, for tonight, we just pray for grace. um, Pray you'd help me um, to speak clearly that um, we might come to um, have our questions answered and um, come to know a bit more about you. I pray this in his name. Amen. Amen. So. Isn't Christianity intolerant? I just want to stop by reading a couple of quotes that I think maybe you might relate to. Um, these are taken from an excellent book called *The Reason for God* by Tim uh, Keller, and I've got them even hopefully up on um, this screen. Oh, by the way, that's the text number that we're going to keep bringing up: zero four nine one one five eight zero nine five zero four nine one one five eight zero nine five. If you do have any questions. Um, I'll try and put that back up there in a bit so you can get that number down. Um, please be texting them in. Um, we'd love to talk about what your genuine questions are. Um, maybe I don't I'll just leave that up. Just, yeah, there you go. Uh, let me start by reading just a couple of quotes um, just to give you a feel for this issue of intolerance. Uh, one person says, How could there be just one true faith? Asked Blair, a 24-year-old woman living in Manhattan. It's arrogant to say your religion is superior and try and convert everyone else to it. Surely all the religions are equally good and valid for meeting the needs of their particular followers. I mean, isn't it arrogant to say, you know, there's only one true religion? Isn't that, like, completely, like, intolerant and insensitive? Uh, someone else writes, Religious exclusivity is not just narrow, it's dangerous. Out uh, of Jeff, a 20-something-year-old uh, British man, also living in New York City, Religion has led to untold strife, division and conflict. It may be the greatest enemy of peace in the world. If Christians continue to insist that they have the truth and if other religions do this as well, the world will never know peace. Uh, Is religion and Christians in particular insist in that, you know, they've got some special access to the truth? Is this just intolerant? Is this just dangerous thinking? Is this a primary cause for... For uh, strife and war in the world, is uh, religion, is Christianity specifically intolerant? And that's really uh, what we're talking about tonight. And we've all sort of heard this perspective before. I mean, I know I have. We've all heard people say this, and really the heart behind it, you know, is Christianity arrogant? Like, is it, does it just, you know, say it's got the truth and just rub it in people's face? You know, more than that, is it like a dangerous way of thinking? Is it something that's to believe it and to believe what? Uh, Jesus says, "Is this something that's just harmful to people? That if they really believe it and and follow through with it, is it something that's a cause for conflict and you know problems uh, in the world? And I guess regardless of your background or where you're from or what you you know whether you've been grown up in church or not in church, we can kind of we can kind of relate to that sentiment, can't we? That idea that 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 believing one thing just seems to seem something you know." Not quite. Wait to say, you know, I've got it all sorted. I know the truth. I've got access to the truth. I believe this. All you other guys are wrong. I mean, I thought about this, you know, this idea of intolerance, this idea of uh, of of just being insensitive to other people, intolerant to other people. It's something we all have kind of, you know, experience in our own individual ways. And you know, I'm I'm not someone who's been a big, uh, you know, sufferer of intolerance by any stretch of the imagination. But I was thinking about. Just one, just like it's almost a trivial example, just personally from my life. Um, I remember being teased at school. Um, uh, growing up at school, I was the kid that like used to always be able to impress the teacher, like all the time. Um, so I developed a nickname, and my nickname was Squarepants. And um, Squarepants, yeah. And I, I hated it so bad. Like I absolutely hated it. I used to go at home and just like I used to. I used to even pray God to say like, oh. Just give me another name, any other name, just not, like, swear. I hate it so much that people would think of me as being, like, this nerdy little, you know, brown-nosed suck-up of a kid. And um, I mean, so that's almost like a trivial example. But that experience of, like, people rejecting you or or being intolerant with some aspect of you, like, we've all kind of, in a way, you know, experienced it, uh, sort of being ridiculed or hated for, for something to to do with you and there's something wrong about it isn't there something not quite right about about that at all this idea of intolerance i mean intolerance we kind of we see it i mean big time on the news at the moment i mean anyone who flicks on the tv i mean it's all about isis and uh you know the crimes that they commit uh across the middle east kidnapping and torturing people persecuting uh religious minorities like the yitzidis uh the through Iraq, they think, you know, killing thousands of people and, you know, that famous example of 10,000 people, you know, in isolation, hiding, uh, hiding on the top of a mountain because of their beliefs, like extreme kind of religious intolerance. You know, you think of Boko Haram in the uh, North Nigeria and killing, you know, thousands of uh, Christians and other people of different religious beliefs in Nigeria. There's something really wrong about this, you know. Religious extremism, violence. Um, we think about even, you know, bringing it more closer to home, specifically about what we're talking about today, intolerant Christians, you know. I mean, we've all seen before on the news, like, Christian rallies, you know, with flags like, you know, God hates fags. Or uh, baby murderers petitioning out in front of uh, abortion clinics. I mean, there's, there's, there's something not quite right about it. There's something that that we've experienced of intolerance there, or maybe you've been more specifically, more close to home, you've experienced, uh, uh, you've been a recipient of callous comments from Christians, you know, just not well thought or seemingly malicious comments, you know, where you felt like someone's been slagging off on you for something that you believe. I mean, intolerance, its it's something, it's something that we all experience. But even more than that, just even, thinking through just the implications of faith and, and, and what, the, what the claims of uh, Christianity and the Bible uh, seem to be, the exclusive claims that, which we're going to be talking about tonight, about Jesus being the only way and about Christians saying that they have the uh, only access to truth. I mean, I lived, I was privileged to live for a couple of years in a, a place called Aceh in North Sumatra after the tsunami came in Boxing Day in 2004. And um, in that place, uh, it was two, two-thirds two of all the people that were killed in the tsunami of Boxing Day died in that place. The best guess, because they don't know for sure, 176,000 people killed in a moment in Arche. I mean, crazy it's 176,000 people. But the reality is, of those 176,000 people, I mean, next to none of them were Christians. And so thinking the question through, you know, for me as a Christian, I mean, are all these people going to hell? I mean, doesn't that seem just incredibly intolerant? Doesn't that seem incredibly not quite right, insensitive? Can can that be true? Uh, The point I guess I'm trying to make is how can Christianity be true when it seems so uh, unkind or unjust or unfair, intolerant? Um, I think that's really what the, what the question that we're asking today. There's, there's something really good about accepting other people, isn't there? There's something really good about welcoming someone in that's a bit different. There's something really good about showing mercy and kindness to other people. That I think, you know, just as people resonates with us and, and it just seems right and it feels right. And in order to really answer that question, that question we're looking at, how can Christianity be true when it seems so unkind, isn't Christianity... Intolerant. I think in order to answer that question, we need to be sure that we understand clearly what, what Jesus taught. Otherwise, uh, I, I believe we'll be, we'll be rejecting a Christianity that the Bible doesn't teach. I think it's one thing to, to look at Christianity and examine it for yourself and say, you know what, I don't really believe in that. I think that's one thing, to look at Jesus, examine his teaching and say, you know what, I don't really believe what he said was true. I think it's another thing to have an idea of what Jesus said and what he believed um, that's not correct, and reject that. And I think we'd do well to really understand what Jesus taught and um, what his teaching was. We need, to sh- we need to make sure, in addition, I think, that we're separating uh, Jesus and his teaching from the people who claim to follow him. I think that's really important. We need to be sure that we're not basing our thinking about Jesus on what other people do specifically. I mean, there is a place for that, but, but that we're examining and looking at what Jesus himself taught. And so that's what we're really going to be looking at. Uh, what did he teach? What was his message? Was it intolerant? Was Jesus' message intolerant? Well, I guess the first thing uh, before we, we move to the main sort of points that I want to talk about tonight. Um, the first thing is, I think intolerance really, it's kind of a loaded word in our culture. I did a, um, a, th- a thesaurus look at intolerant, and to be honest, no one wants to be intolerant. Um, intolerant, thesaurus search uh, came up with these words, bigoted Narrow-minded, small-minded, parochial, provincial, insular, blinkered, illiberal, inflexible, dogmatic, rigid, uncompromising, unforgiving, unsympathetic, prejudiced, biased, partial, partisan, one-sided, sectarian, discriminatory, unfair, unjust. I mean, who wants to be tole- intolerant, you know, like, if full on? It, it carries more than just a, a sense of, of uh, not accepting other people. It's really, it's quite a loaded word, isn't it? And I think the meaning of what tolerance has... Used to mean has really changed tolerance used to be you know what um, I may disagree with you in what you believe, but you know what i 'm going i 'm going i 'm going to accept you i 'm going to stand up for your right to believe what you want to believe that 's what it used to mean. Tolerance used to mean that oh, we could disagree about uh, what we believe to be true and right, but i 'm going to respect what you believe and and honor you as a person and, and having the right to believe that it 's come to it 's come to mean uh, something more than that. In our society, tolerance actually kind of tends to mean more that we kind of have to almost accept that what that person believes is true for them, to almost accept that there's multiple truths at play and and um, no one really has the right to, to, to question whether or not something that someone is saying is true. Well, because of that, I guess... Um, I guess the question that really I want to address uh, today is, is, is this question, and, and that is, can Christianity be good and just? That is, can Christianity be fair while claiming to know the only way, claiming to have the exclusive truth? Um, or does claiming to know the only way mean that Christianity must be arrogant, must be insensitive, must be bigoted, must be, must be intolerant? <coughs> And so really, I want to look at this at two points, two quick points I'm going to look at. And that is that Christianity is kind of both. It's both entirely exclusive in its claims. Jesus, that is, is entirely exclusive in his claims and entirely inclusive at the same time. It's both. It's entirely exclusive in its claims. Jesus' message is entirely exclusive and it's entirely inclusive. Well, what do I mean? Point one, Jesus' message is entirely exclusive. Uh, the first thing I want to say to us, um, say to you guys this morning, uh, or this evening, sorry I'm um, getting confused um, is is that uh, truth claims, anytime we, we claim to have the truth about something we're making a claim that's exclusive we're making a claim that contradicts other truths and just to give you an example, you know, if I got that water bottle over here and um, I filled it up with poison, right, I mixed poison, I put poison in and I gave to you and I said, hey, you know um, mate, don't drink this It's full of poison Now, you might say to me You know what, Brennan uh, I understand that's true for you That there's poison in there um, But for me, I don't believe that's, that's the case I believe it's a delicious yellow liquid And so I'm going to drink it <laughs> um, you, might, you might say that But actually, you'd be actually incorrect You'd be wrong Because the fact of the matter is That this is a drink bottle full of poison If you drink it, you're going to die Um, and I know that for a fact because I've put poison in it that truth claim, that claim I'm making about truth is exclusive and it excludes other truth claims just by the nature of it being true, right? So every time we we talk about truth claims or or we say things are true, we're making an exclusive claim we're making a a, a claim that by its very nature excludes other options Um, if this is indeed full of poison. It isn't at the same time full of delicious cordial. It's just not the case. We can argue about it, but it doesn't change the fact, right? And so my point is that Jesus' message is entirely exclusive. Jesus makes some truth claims. He, he makes some things that he claims uh, to be true. And by the nature of the truth claims, um, they exclude other, other truth claims. And so I want to look at uh, two. And to do this, um, I'm going to go right to the source. And that is uh, John's Gospel, where I want to spend a bit of time uh, just quickly unpacking some uh, truth claims that Jesus means. The first claim he makes, Jesus makes, is he claims to be God. Um, so I just want to read a passage for you from John ten twenty eight to 33. Jesus says this. He says, I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you going to stone me? The Jews answered, It is not for a good work that we are going to stone you, but for blasphemy, because you being a man, make yourself to be God. Jesus says to them, He says, I am Father are one. We are one. We are unified. We are joined together. We are of the same essence. We are God. I am God. And it's not like we're reading into what Jesus is saying to say that when he says, I am the Father are one, he is claiming to be God. The people that he was speaking to knew exactly what he meant. And so they picked up rocks and they went to try and kill him for blasphemy. Jesus, time and time again, uh, in the Bible, claims to be God. This is not the uh, only example either. He doesn't, also, he doesn't just claim to be God. He also claims to be able to give them eternal life. He claims to be God, and people understand, like I said, people understand what he's saying when they try to kill him. But this isn't a one-off. There's other instances where uh, the Bible clearly teaches that Jesus is God. John begins at the very beginning of his letter. He says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word, later on will be uh, described as the Word becoming flesh, um, being Jesus himself, Jesus being God incarnate, God taking on flesh. The word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything that was made. It was in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The, the Bible is clear to saying, John is clear to saying, Jesus is the word is God. Again, in another passage, then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward and said to them, I love this one, who do you seek? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to him, I am he. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. When Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. He's this powerful man, this man of power, who just in saying his name, I am he, I am he, the people that are with him just fall down to their knees. But time and time again, John paints the picture of Jesus being not just an, any, any old man, but God. As Jesus is then risen from the dead, having died and been uh, raised to life, appearing to his disciples. He appears to Thomas and says, you know, Daddy Thomas look. Touch my hands, touch my feet, say it to me. What does Thomas say in response? He says, Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. And, and Jesus encourages him after he, he claims that Jesus is God. He says, You know, look, you know, blessed are you uh, because you've seen and believed, but I tell you, blessed are others that haven't seen and yet believe. Time and time again, Jesus, the Bible, claims that Jesus is God. One that I love in the book of Hebrews, um, it's so clear, but of the Son, that's the Son of God, that's Jesus, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. The claim of Scripture, and in fact the claim of Jesus himself, is that he is is God. He is God incarnate. He is God become flesh. Well, that's the first claim that Jesus makes. He claims to be God, but he doesn't only claim to be God. He claims to be the only way to God as well. I want to read you a pretty famous... um, verse where Jesus is teaching Thomas again, Jesus says in John 14, 5-7, Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus says, I am the way, I am the way, I am the only way the truth in life. I'm the only source of truth. I'm the only source of life. I am the only way. And if you thought, well, maybe, yeah, yeah, I know what you're saying, Jesus, maybe you, you, you're the only way, but there's also other only ways as well, multiple options. He makes it crystal clear for us. He says, in verse 7, he says, no one comes to the Father except through me. It's almost as if he preempted that question, isn't it? He says, I exclude all other options. I am the only way. No one else comes to the Father except through me. No one comes to know God, says Jesus, except through me. Jesus claims to be the only way to God. and My question for us is, well, does he have the right to claim it? Does he have the right to claim he's the only way? Well, I want to read again to you. Um, You can't see the verse markings up here, but um, on my Bible it's got got it. So I'm going to read to you again. Um, Verse 7, because I think that's really, really the key. Verse 7. Um, of chapter 14. Jesus says, If you had known me, you would have known the Father, my Father also. From now on you do know him and have seen him. Jesus says, and this is why I I put to you, he's got the authority to say it. He says, you know what? If you look at me, you see God. If you look at me, you see God himself. Before me, you didn't know God, but now you see the Father. You see God the Father. In and through me. You know, if I said to you, you know what, um, friends, you know, if 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 you follow me, um, guess what? Even after you die, you're going to live forever if you follow me. If I said that to you, you'd have every reason to believe that I'm absolutely off my head, off my chops, right? Because I'm just Brennan, you know me, you know all my problems. But if Jesus is the creator, like if he is God himself, if he's the one who... Uh, like we read before in John 1 1 to 4, spun the stars in the sky and created everything that we know and experience. He created all, I mean, regardless of whether you believe in how he did it, whether you believe in evolution or uh, a literal seven day creation, or that's the, by and by. If Jesus is God the Creator, the, the one who is the master of everything that exists, the preeminent one, the one who has no beginning and end, if Jesus is really God Himself, and he's saying, I'm the only way, then, then we probably should listen. And so the message of Scripture is Jesus does have the right to claim that he's the only way because he is God himself. Well, that's point one, exclusive. Jesus' message is entirely exclusive. He claims to be the only way, but it's, it's more than just exclusive. It's also entirely inclusive. You see, the message of the Bible is uh, a message to a broken world. It's a message to a people that are living for themselves rather than God. It's a message of people that are, are facing punishment for, for doing the wrong thing. You know, the message of the Bible is that God created the heavens and the earth. Um, and he created them in the beginning. And he made them good. And he made people. And he made them in his image. And in the beginning, he made it. And he saw it was good. But people didn't didn't stay in relationship with him. uh, If you read uh, in the book of Genesis, it it shows a picture of people in harmony with God, of walking with God, of enjoying relationship with God. But people didn't stay that way. People didn't stay in relationship with God. They, They actually rejected God. They rejected God. They turned their backs on him. They said, God, we want nothing to do with you. We want to live for ourselves. We want to be the king of our own lives. We want to make our own decisions. We want to live for ourselves. And And so the message of the Bible is that the world is full of people that are facing punishment for wrongdoing, for turning their backs on God. And that punishment includes all people. No one escapes it. There's no person that's so good they escape it. There's no person that's so bad they escape it. We're all included. Everyone's included. But the message of the Bible is the message of the God who went to the most extreme lengths to include you was so determined to include you that nothing was off limits. The message of scripture is that God himself became a man and entered into human suffering, living as a man who would be rejected by his friends, would be socially outcast and absolutely scorned and mocked, so much so that eventually he would be led to be crucified and dying on a cross. That wasn't just a tragic mishap of history. That wasn't wasn't just an accident. The message of scripture is that Jesus came to earth, God himself came to earth as a man purposefully to die the death we should have died. And so that his death on the cross was in our place. That God satisfied all of his anger for our Turning our backs on him, all the the right punishment for rejecting the creator of the universe, and he placed all that anger upon his son, upon Jesus. Such was God's determination to include you. Um, you know, he then rose from the dead, according to scripture, and defeated death. And now is able to offer life to to people if they'll just trust him. If they'll just make him their king, if they'll just say, okay, God, I'm going to stop being the king of my own life and I'm going to let you be the king of my life. You know, some people and um, some belief systems will reject people that are moral failures, that have just made a mess of their lives. Not Jesus. You know, some belief systems, some faiths will reject people based on your race, based on how you were born, who your parents were. Not Jesus, um, some people will 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 reject you based on the, the the caste that you were born based on again based on things that are completely out of your control. Some people will reject you based on your practices, the amount of you know times you go to church or things like this but but not with Jesus. Jesus was a friend of the outcast of society Jesus was his closest friends were 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 paupers, were simple fishermen. He was friends with drunkards and prostitutes and tax collectors, people with physical illnesses. So much so that that people would question and say, "Surely this man is a, a tax cheat, a sinful, a, a wicked person, because he hangs out with all these people that are bad news." And he calls all people from all nations and all tribes and all languages. All education, backgrounds, all pasts, all failures and frauds, the bankrupt, the brokenhearted, the rich, the poor. He calls everyone to come and follow him. Uh, Read these or hear these famous verses. I think I should have it up on the screen for you. This is Jesus speaking from Matthew chapter 11. Jesus says, come to me all who labor. This is that. Not not some who labor, not the particularly good, good ones who labor. He says, come to me all you labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, because I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus invites everyone to come and follow him. He doesn't have some list of exclusive people. No, his message is inclusive. It's it's includes all people. But more than that, more than that, it includes all people. I just I just put to you that. Jesus' message is able to, able to radically change the world. I mean, consider the impact of the message of Jesus on the world. One of the messages of Christianity is that all people are universal image bearers. That's all people, uh, by nature, bear in, in, in some way the image of God. And so people that follow Jesus, Christians believe that because all people are made in the image of God, we're we're not surprised to to see good in other people. In fact, we expect to see good in other people. We expect even people of other faiths and beliefs and backgrounds to be more moral, more wise, more loving than us at times. You know, Christians simply don't believe that morality, being good enough or being wise enough or being loving enough will save us. We don't believe we're saved by being all those things. No, we, we believe we're saved by Trusting in Christ and making Him our King, and so Christians are in many ways messed up people who God is working in, trying to change by God's grace. That's that's who Christians are. Secondly, um, another message of Jesus and a teaching of Jesus and I think Christians believe that is taught in the Bible is universal sinfulness, universal wickedness, and that is that that all people in the same way as we mentioned before turn their backs on God and naturally want to think of themselves and are selfish. Um, and so we've got a category as Christians for being wrong, and not having everything right, and failing at times, being unfaithful at times. I mean, I was even meeting with a friend just this week, and just aware of what, you know uh, areas in which I failed to be a good friend to them. Um, we as Christians we expect that we're going to mess it up, and so as Christians we've got no place to be arrogant because we don't believe we've got everything right. Um, even more than this and another reason why i just believe the message of jesus uh has such power to change the world and if it was like lived out and people believed it and lived this way it could radically change the world is just think about the powerful example of jesus himself and and the way he lived following the one who calls us to love not our friends and those who love us calls us to love our enemies can you imagine if people actually live that way to love the people who hate their guts I mean that's massive. It's 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 one thing to love people that are kind of neutral towards you, like ah oh, yeah you know Brennan, whatever. But it's another thing to to love someone who's like, I, I despise you. You're my nemesis. You know like I can't stand you. And and and, and but that's time and time again the message we read. I mean uh, let me read. Uh, I think I should have it up on the screen. This this uh, encouragement uh, of Paul in one of his letters to the Philippians. It's a, a church in in kind of ancient sort of Macedonian area, Um, Paul writes he says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Paul is speaking to Christians and saying, you know what you should think this way you should think of other people as being worth more than you. I mean isn't that massive? I mean who actually thinks that way? Who actually believes that other people are or treats other people like they're more significant than themselves? I mean imagine if people lived this way. But he goes on Let each of you look not only to your own interests, and things that are good for you, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind about yourselves. Think this way, he says, which is yours in Christ Jesus, which is based on Jesus' example, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, that's a thing to be used to his advantage. But what did he do? He emptied himself. By taking the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of man, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming a to the point of death, even death on the cross. Paul, encouraging other Christians, the Apostle Paul says, think this way. Think like Jesus, who absolutely, even though he was God himself, didn't use the fact that he was God to his own advantage, but he humbled himself and died in the place of other people. I'll put to you that that the Christian message is Jesus' message is able to radically change the world. I mean, imagine if people lived this way. And I'll put to you that the problem with Christianity is not that there's too many fundamentalists. I don't know if you've heard that before. It's the problem is with the fundamentalists, right? No, i put to you the problem is that people aren't fundamental enough. People aren't fundamental enough. You know, uh, I was thinking about it this week because there's a movie just being released. Uh, it's called Selma. It's about uh, Martin Luther King, um, who was really responsible for uh, a lot of the big changes that happened in the United States in terms of race relations and segregation between African-Americans and, and white Americans and just atrocious you know, atrocities that happened. And was Martin Luther King's message that, that hey guys, you know, stop, cut it out being so Christian. Cut it out you know, with this following Jesus business. This is causing harm. This is causing intolerance. Stop it. Now, I'll tell you, that wasn't his message. His, his message to churches and to religious leaders and to presidents was, this is contrary to the Bible. You need to stop it. This is not faithful to Scripture or the message of Jesus. That was the message. It wasn't cut it out. It was, is this is not fundamental enough. And so he writes, uh, he says this, It's a famous quote of Martin Luther King. He says, and when this happens, in his freedom speech, he says, and when this happens, and when we allow freedom ring, when we let it ring from every village and every hamlet, from every state and every city, we'll be able to speak up that day when all of God's children, black men, white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics, will be able to join hands and sing the words of the old Negro spiritual, free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty we are free at last. You know, Martin Luther King's vision for for America was of of a hastening of the day that the Bible speaks about when people from all tribes and tongues and nations will stand together and worship God united. That was his vision. It wasn't cut out the fundamentalism, it was let's get back to fundamentals in following Jesus. So is Christianity intolerant? I put it to us today, far from it. Though Christianity is and Jesus' message is entirely exclusive in its claim to to truth as Jesus taught that he is the only way to get right with God. Christianity is is also at the same time entirely inclusive as Jesus offers the gift of his very own life to all. So regardless of your gender, ethnicity, language, sexuality, moral failures, religious upbringing, there is no person too lost. All are invited in by the great King. My question for us uh, this evening to consider is... Will you receive him? I just want to pray for us and um, then we're just going to have a time to hang out and think of questions um, and uh, grab a drink and we'll have our panel up here to chat. But why don't I pray? Lord, uh, thank you so much for the beautiful message of Jesus, a message that, though exclusive in claim, is open to everyone. I thank you for the great example we have in Jesus uh, that he would lay down his life for for his friends. And I pray... Um, For everyone in this room, I pray that we might just come to know Jesus and know something of the message he taught and be faithful to following that message, um, that we would humble ourselves as his great example is. So as we move to answer questions and think about questions, Lord, I pray that would be the flavor of tonight, Uh, humble looking at questions about him and getting to know him more. So Lord, help us and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys.